It is Locked on Jazz for the 23rd of November pre-Thanksgiving show. The loss to the Clippers, life without Mike Conley, trends around the NBA. Those will tell us what we need to know. Coming up on this Wednesday pre-Thanksgiving edition of Locked on Jazz. Pow! You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a jazz fan each and every day, thanks so much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen every day. We are free. We are available on all podcasting apps. We are available on YouTube. And we are there for you and would love it if you throw out the comment section. You can also uh, go ahead and hit us with five-star reviews and all those fun things. We greatly, greatly appreciate it. Jazz and the Pistons tonight. Pistons are coming off a really nice win last night, 110-108 in Denver, despite being without Sadiq Bey, without being without Cade Cunningham. They're also missing one other regular whose name is escaping me right now. Um, Boyan had 22 to lead the way last night. Like, literally, they run the offense from late in the game. He missed two step-backs. Um, and uh, it was interesting. Alec Burks was great. Alec had 21 last night. They kind of have this young crew they're trying to develop. And then they, when it gets to crunch time, they go to their, their veterans who know how to play in Corey Joseph and Alec Burks and Boyan Bogdanovich. And then they've got a bunch of other pieces around it. Um, that's not a great loss for Denver. Jamal Murray didn't look quite right in that game. Coming off COVID, Jokic just looked right every night. He had 31 points, 9 rebounds, 10 assists, was 12 of 16 for the field. He's just ridiculous. Um, Denver has really no bench. Um, Bones Highland can have these big games as he did the other night and carried Denver to a win. Um, I think it was a surprising win over Dallas. That's what it was. And Highland had 29 in 35 minutes. Then last night he has nothing. So he's, you know, he's a second year player. That's kind of what happens. All right. Um, I want to talk about, sorry, I didn't get a show out yesterday. Stuff came up. Um, it's hard on those three thirty when I don't do it in the regular shot slot, which is right now, then days get in the way. Uh, so my apologies. Um, I thought that was a pretty great effort. Actually, was my real feeling on that game. Um, three games in four nights again. We've really played a lot of games in a lot of cities and bounced around a lot. And um, I know generally people don't like to hear that, but it, it has an impact. And I think it's going to have a bigger impact this year than usual because as we've talked about so much, the, the standard deviation of of kind of teams, the margin is smaller than it usually is. And so... I think it means that when you have some nights where, um, you know, either you're a little off because of fatigue or this and that, um, I, I feel like it has a, it's having a bigger impact on wins and losses than usual. Um, the other one I would say is I actually think injuries are having less impact on wins and losses than usual uh, because I think the league is so deep right now. Um, and I'll share a conversation I had with Norman Powell before the game of the Clippers that will reiterate that. Um, but I do think that when one or two players are out, like even when we saw with the Pistons last night, 
it's just not as big a deal as it once was because there's so much talent on every roster. And so, you know, when Sadiq Bey's out, then Alec Burks get to play, gets to play for a night. And Alec Burks probably isn't as good as Sadiq Bey is night in and night out. But the fact of the matter is that these guys can play, and it's a night for them to unclip their wings, as I'll talk about here in a minute, and, it, and it, they're pretty fired up about it. Um, so I, I think that, that the two things right now that kind of are impacting games, the biggest story to me in the whole league, and we'll get into trends here later, is just <clears throat> the discrepancy between the top teams, and may, maybe other than Boston, and the rest of the league is just not very big. And so then, therefore, these side issues, travel, um, shot distribution, things of that nature, I think get to be bigger and bigger. So in that sense, I thought the Jazz really, really played well um, against the Clippers. The shot frequency, again, was amazing. 39% of the shots were threes and 38% of our shots were at the rim. Like the perfect allocation of a game to me is 40-40-20. And we're awfully close on a lot of nights in a league that right now Rim shots are at 34% as a league average. Um, And last year, this kind of gets into our trends conversation I was going to get into. Last year, that number was at 32.5. It's it's interesting. After a year in which everyone kind of had completely committed to taking the rim away, kind of the way the Milwaukee Bucks had, um, it went from 33 to 32.5 in a year, which is a big jump. It's now done the opposite. Now, that... This one really could be the take foul. So a bunch of things people are attributing the take foul. I think this one actually might be the take foul. That there's just one or two more shots a night at the rim in transition than there used to be. Um, so right now the average league distribution is about 34% of your shots at the rim, 36% of your shots as threes, and then you end up with about 31% of your shots as mid-range shots. Ideally, you can get to 40-40-20 is, to me, is the ideal shot distribution. Super hard to get to, and we're right there. And I think it kept us in the game against the Clippers. Um, we only, I think, took one or two long twos the entire game, made them both. Um, and then didn't get obsessed with the floater zone, which I thought we were going to. So I thought it was a great effort. Offensive rebounding was amazing, both sides, frankly. The Jazz got 38% of all their own misses in that game. Uh, and then also went to the line a ton. I mean, it was really about as well done an <clears throat> offensive performance without Mike Conley despite all we're talking about, as I could have anticipated. 17% of your plays as turnovers is too many. And that gets that gets to Mike. The story of the night was the transition defense. So, or utter lack there was of transition defense by the Jazz early in the game. Now, by the end of the game, ironically enough, the Jazz were in transition more than the Clippers. But it, in the first half of the game, the Jazz allowed the Clippers to be in transition 25% of their possessions. Um, just an absolutely insane number. And then they really clamped down on it in the second half, which, again, I see as really, really impressive. And they took the five-point lead going into the fourth quarter because of it. So that kind of ability to adjust and on the fly and change the way they were playing during a game and, and fix this transition defense, which the night before was really, really good. Transition defense against Portland was really, really good and a great sign because transition defense is probably the biggest bugaboo that the Jazz have got to fix. If you um, if you look at the Portland win uh, on, or I guess it was not the night before we were playing. That was a back to back on the nineteenth. The Jazz transition defense, and maybe this could have been Dane being out, and maybe they don't run quite as much. Um, 
Portland was in transition a lot, 20% of their possessions, which is just way too many. I mean, we've got to do something about that. But they only got 0.94 uh, points per possession. So that was like a really, really good sign that the transition defense was better. This is a good sign because we actually allowed less transition um, than we had. Now, Norman Powell and Reggie Jackson kicked our butt, and our half-court defense was actually fine. Like, it was better than league average, and that's good for us. We're not a great defensive team, so if we can be better than league average. So really, the defensive rebounding got us a little bit. The early transition got us a little bit. Um, <clears throat> and those just collect combined um, f- for the loss. Lowry marketing continues to be just awesome, early, particularly early in games. Um, he had a mammoth first quarter. I think he had nine. And his first quarter runs right now, it's really clear that Will Hardy has, and it was interesting, Ty Lue made the comment that Will Hardy's brought some offensive looks to the league that nobody's seen before and is causing people problems. <clears throat> I I don't know what those are. I asked Will, I asked Ty Lue and I asked Will Hardy and neither of them would answer. Um, the one thing I think we're doing that's interesting is we're doing what I would call as face-cutting people. <clears throat> A lot of times we want to cut behind, you want to cut behind people. And what I've seen a lot of us doing is cutting in front of defenders, and then Lowry's seven feet tall, so he gets the shot off anyway. Um, that's the old, and some of our cutting actions I think might be different, but I'm not certain. It's a great compliment to Will Hardy um, about what was said. But let's take a look at some of the first quarter stuff that we're seeing out of market, and I think then teams really have to adjust as the night's going on. So the other night um, against the Clippers, nine points on four of seven shooting, Phoenix nine points, Portland nine points. So he's averaging nine points a first quarter. In each of the last three games, if you back it up, he was quiet against the Knicks. He had eight in the first against Philadelphia. He was quiet against the Wizards. He had 16 in the first against Atlanta. So if you take the last six, seven games, so far, um, he's shooting he's aver- he's shooting 50% from the field, 47% from three in first quarters. He's averaging uh, points per first quarter, eight points per first quarter. So Lowry Markin is coming out of games and this was one of the things I talked about when you go back to the one of the episodes I did about, like, what do I want to see out of guys this year? I want to see, like, six, seven, eight shots a quarter by Lowry Market. In seven games, he's taken 36 shots. It's great. That's the kind of development um, that we're looking for. And he's and he's been just, you know, he's just terrific right now. He's, you know, a huge discussion is whether or not he's an all-star or not. Um, it, it's lining up that there's a real chance of it. Um, and he's just continues to kind of put in that all-time effort every night. 25 points, 10 rebounds. Three assists, a block, and a steal against the Clippers was just terrific. Um, all right, so uh, Jordan was great that night, too. We'll talk more about Jordan in a second. 26 points, four rebounds, four assists. He's been great. We'll talk about life without Mike Conley, um, which is not an easy thing for this team um, to do. Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan and in Linden. So three locations for you. Any of them are most convenient for you. If you're looking for a car before the end of the year, please send me an email at dlock09 at gmail.com so that I can take the time to set you up with Cam in Murray, whether it's going or Jake down in uh, Linden or wherever it might be. We'll get you that VIP experience. The Murdoch lineup of Hyundai cars. First of all, you get the Murdoch customer service of 80 plus years in Utah and part of the fabric of the community. And you get the Hyundai cars which have more bells, more whistles for the dollar than you possibly have. I own three of them right now. So I'm telling you the truth of what I believe. There are two Santa Fe's and we have the Ionic um, electric. And it's snowing right now and I'm perfectly comfortable with it. And it's <clears throat> absolutely uh, terrific uh, cars. All 
with all the features um, you could ever imagine. That's all at Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan and in Linden. Please feel free uh, to stop by and join us. I see we've lost our um, graphics package today. I wonder why. Uh, Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at LinkedIn Jobs. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NBA. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MBA. Simple tools, screening tools make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience for you. Quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn toys in the number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. These days, Every new potential hire can feel like high stakes wager for a small business. You want to be 100% certain you're right. And it also don't want it to just slow down and torpedo everything else you're working on because it's so difficult. So that is why LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your jobs for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks so very much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. For your second listen, what about Locked On Sports today? We would certainly love to have you check out the 22-minute program that brings you all the things you need to know in the day in sports and all of the uh, updates you with everything that's going on from our local experts uh, to you. I wonder why my graphics package disappeared today. No good reason. Just did. Just me now, sitting on a screen with all the garbage around me that, you know, holes in... Old couches, tablets that don't really work, pictures of Kobe, throat lozenges all in the background. I'm not sure why that's the case. Um, but I don't want to lose the recording, so I'm not going to do anything more than I've already done. Um, so there you go. Uh, jazz life without Mike Conley. So there's some interesting data points if you actually want to dig into these a little bit about Jazz life without Mike Conley that um, are interesting. So here's going into the night. This is kind of interesting. With Mike Conley off the floor, this year the Jazz are actually going into the game that were actually positive. So that's, and that had actually just happened um, in the last few games that the Jazz had become positive without Mike Conley. Um, Now, that's, Bench minutes and not going up against starters and not going against primary units. So it's it's a it's really sometimes I've always felt this way when you have things like this. It's a tribute largely to the head coach and how he's using his players. Um, right now, Walker Kessler's plus minus is pretty good. That's a tribute to Will Hardy. It's, it's how Will Neto's plus minus was a tribute to um, Quinn Snyder. That when you have these players have great plus minuses and they're they're limited in some way, shape, or form. Then what I think, and what you have is, um, you you have them pulling the player when he's in a bad situation. However, what's really interesting is the lineup now that's been most used, Colin Sexton, Jordan Clarkson, Lowry Markin, Jared Vanderbilt, Kelly Linick, our starting lineup has been terrific. Our starting lineup that we're going to throw out there again tonight has been really, really good. Now, unnaturally good shooting. Um, and that'll come back to life. Right now, the offensive ratings are 144, and the effective field goal percentage is 69. That Those cannot last. So let's see, because the defense is not great. Um, when Walker Kessler suddenly plays in some of these lineups, the defense gets good. Where things are a little funky 
is who's on the floor. So when Colin Sexton plays with Mike Conley this year, and this has been something that Will Hardy's really pushed. When Colin Sexton plays with Will Hardy, our offense is in the 97th percentile, and we're plus 1.4. When Colin Sexton plays without Mike Conley, so now all of a sudden Colin Sexton is playing with the ball in his hands. The offense slides to a 112.5, the defense is bad, and we're a minus 8. Okay? Now, the majority of that group was Malik Beasley, Taylor Horton, Tucker, Rudy Gay, and Walker Kessler, or it's the starting five, which has been really good. What's crazy about this is the two primary lineups that he's used that this has happened in have been really positive, and everything else has been a mess. So this is worth kind of keeping an eye on. What we're trying to figure out is, you know, how do you run this team without Mike Conley? So when Taylor Horton Tucker has been on the court floor without Mike Conley this year, we're plus 8.1. And that's when Talon's playing the point guard. He's done a really wonderful job trying to learn how to play um, and play that position. When Jordan Clarkson is on the floor without Mike Conley, and then you can dig into what the combinations are, whether it's with Colin or whether it's with um, Talon Horton Tucker, it gets a little, we're plus 12. Okay? So there's a bunch of little pieces here that Will Hardy's now going to have to try to figure out. And so, But what we're seeing is we really don't have an, a natural second point guard on the roster. And that makes it, um, it makes it for a complicated night for Will. I think Will was pretty open about the fact that he um, is having to coach a little differently. He's going to have to co- coach a little um, more uh, detailed, maybe call a few more plays, um, and be really actively involved in a way that he has not been actively involved um, in some of these other other games. Um, for him to be able to, because of Mike Conley, because Mike Conley allowed him to not do those things. And so therefore he has, he's not had to, and he's going to have to be more involved, more communicated. We saw the whole interaction with Colin Sexton on the bench. I, I don't truly know what to make of it other than I think we're just seeing Will Hardy develop his coaching style. And his coaching style on that night was to address something while I was on the bench and hold a real conversation with someone, which, so those are, I'm going to address it and I'm going to hold a real conversation. That's what, that was my takeaway. Um, from that interaction. Colin is not a point guard. Um, quite frankly, Colin does things on the floor every night that if I was a head coach, I think it would drive me batty. And then he does things on the court that are just awesome. And so that's the the difficulty of being a head coach in the NBA is how do you how do you work between those two things and keep sane and keep your player being as productive as possible without hurting the team. And Colin would not be an easy one for me as a head coach because he makes a ton of plays, is... You know, one of the best foul drawing guards in the NBA is an incredible driver, is a super rim finisher, is a pretty good floater, mid-range two-point shooter. Um, he also had the lowest assist to usage rate of any player in the NBA for two straight years. Um, he just doesn't naturally see the floor. He doesn't see it as a point guard. He just doesn't really like see it that same way. And so that's where he's been super successful. And Will's used him correctly to play him off Mike Conley and now doesn't have that luxury. So we'll see how, and he wants the ball in his hands. Like he, like he naturally wants, that's what he's done a lot of his time. Uh, Taylor Norton Tucker, and first of all, Jordan Clarkson's just been terrific. Um, and we're seeing an extremely high basketball IQ out of Jordan Clarkson on a nightly basis. Will Hardy talked about it for in the pregame the other night. We played it a bunch on our, on our program. And we, um, and he's really just developing a different game, reading the night, reading night in and night out. 
what he needs to do on a on a pretty regular basis, and it's it's pretty awesome to see. And so Jordan really is going to be playing a lot of this point guard, but you also don't want to stymie Jordan shooting. Jordan is showing that was always the book last year that if you if you didn't want to stymie that electric shooting at Jordan, but we've actually seen from him he's able to do both this year, which is a pretty massively awesome development on his part. And then Taylor Norton Tucker we talked about has been really good, but it's it's not linear. It's not a straight. This is all new and back to playing, you know, the way he did in Simeon, but he didn't really play at Iowa State, and he certainly didn't play this much with the ball in his hands um, when he was with the Lakers. And so what we're what you're seeing now <coughs> is him developing this, and he had a brilliant three games. We had 20 assists in three games, and then Will says, you know, and then the next time out, he really, like, he then overpassed it. Um, and so... We're just trying to learn, like he's trying to learn and talking to Taylor after, after the game, before games, which I do just about every night, you know, he said like, yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to figure this all out. Um, and at times I think he felt, he's felt like, Hey, this is what I can do really, really well. And he's loved this because he gets to do more and, and have more opportunities and do all those kind of things. On the other end, you know, when he over kind of, he overpassed it for a night, like he did a, he did a super good job with it. But then the next night, you know, in that three game stretch and then the next night, he kind of overpassed. So he's trying to find the 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 window, and there's certain things he just hasn't done. Like his entry passes, I thought the other night were tele, were telegraphed and soft, and they got taken away. And then as the night went on, he he improved. And so you're going to see him just continue to develop, but it's not going to be linear. Like this is all new stuff for him, but it's pretty awesome to watch um, and see what he, see what he's doing. Um, you know, he's up to 33 front court touches a night. Um, which is, you know, right on with everyone else. His time of possession is, I think, the third most on the team, maybe fourth most on the team. Mike's is the most, obviously. Then Jordan, then Colin, then Taylor Norton Tucker. Um, and so, you know, how does he kind of work this and continue to play with it? It's pretty interesting to see our front court touches are just so equally allocated. Jordan's got 34 a game. Mike's got 31 a game. Lowry's got 30. Kelly Linux got 28. Beasley's got 21. Vanderbilt's got 21. Sexton's got 19. One thing I did see the other night was that Jared Vanderbilt was playing with the ball much more at the free throw line. I think what's going on there is teams have stopped guarding Jared Vanderbilt. And so the Jazz need him to be catching at the free throw line where he can maybe make a play so that guys will guard him. But when he's out on the perimeter, teams are guarding him less and less. And I think this is a reaction to him being guarded. So see maybe a little bit more point guard play or ball handling play coming out of Vanderbilt and a Linux playing off of those guys as the Jazz learn to adjust um, to this. So it's, it's really interesting. Uh, interesting conversation I had with Taylor Horton Tucker that I wanted to share with you. Interesting conversation I had with Norman Powell um, as well. Plus, we want to look at some trends uh, as we continue on today's show. Today's show is brought to you in part by our friends over at BetOnline. BetOnline.net, where the game begins. Thanksgiving weekend is here. Great opportunity for you to get involved with Bet Online, the latest odds, trends for every professional amateur out there. From football, basketball, to soccer, esports, we've got it at BetOnline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you'll find those there as well. Always fast and easiest way to get your betting fix at Bet Online. I'm sure World Cup is uh, can be played around here. Here's a few little notes for you coming up on Bet Online on the Thanksgiving. Bills are a 10-point favorite over the Lions. Nine and a half point favor of the Cowboys over the Giants and a two and a half point favorites for the Vikings. Tonight's Jazz Pistons game. Jazz are an 11 point favorite tonight. Wow, that is the biggest favorite we've had all year. 
Warriors are a nine-point favorite over the Clippers tonight. I must think PG's not playing. Ty Lue was weird about PG the other night, as though there was something wrong. Nuggets are a three-point favorite in Oklahoma City on the back end of a back-to-back. I think that's interesting. Because hmm. I opened the show today saying I think those things are more important than ever before. And Minnesota's a one-and-a-half-point favorite in Indiana to see if they can keep things going. That's all at our friends over at betonline.net, where the game begins. Today's show is also brought to you by Toro. Toro is, I, I don't want to use another like person's concept, but it's, it's like verbo for cars, right? Um, that's the best way I can describe it to you, is that it's, um, it, it's a car sharing app that's kind of, kind of great. Um, I have friends who used it in Hawaii where rental cars have been super difficult. I've got friends who have used it other places as well. It's the world's largest car sharing marketplace. With Toro, you can book any car you want, wherever you want, from a community of local hosts. So you browse a huge selection of vehicles, just about any occasion, a budget across the U.S., Canada, and coming soon to Australia. Book a spacious SUV, a minivan for a family road trip, get a luxury classic or a luxury car for a special event. Find affordable economy cars if you're on a budget. Just need to get from A to B. It's all at Toro. T-U-R-O. People are the... um, And y'all get it done. Uh, You can uh, forget basically the boring rental cars and find a more fun and exciting car. All at Toro. T-U-R-O is... um, is the is how you spell it. So go check it out at Turo.com. T-U-R-O dot com. Uh, I wanted to get to trends, but... So I was talking to Norman Powell before the game the other night. Um, I was talking to Nicholas Batum. He and Tony Parker bought a ski resort together, by the way. Kind of a funny little tidbit there. Um, but so I was talking to Norman Powell before the game, and Norman Powell's really interesting because UCLA had like three different roles. He was like a go-to guy, and then he was kind of a number two guy, and then he was like a, one of the guys... And um, he had two different coaches. And so I asked him about that. He says he thinks it's been super helpful to his NBA development as a player because he's bounced from one thing to another. And then we got into a conversation about what NBA players want. And it's very similar to Kelly Olenek conversation. that Hey, we're the best in the world. Um, and anytime we have an opportunity to show our whole array of skills, that's what we want. And that Clipper team is really a team in which you don't get to show your whole array of skills You've got to clip your wings to fit in with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and everything that's going on there. And yet on that night when um, Paul George was out, suddenly Reggie Jackson and uh, Paul and Norman Powell don't have to clip their wings. And he was pretty excited about that night. And we went and saw it. And I think this is, you know, back to something I talked about to open the show. We, we just have to realize these guys are the best in the world. They all were the best player on their teams until they got to the NBA. And then... When they get to the NBA, suddenly they don't have as nearly this. They have to kind of fold into a mold. And as Will Hardy said, sometimes then you kind of remember, forget all the things you can do and even lose a little bit of your zest for the game. And so when these guys, there's injuries or someone has a chance to step up, it's a grand opportunity. Now, does everyone step up? Well, no. We're going to have to, you know, a bunch of jazz guys have to really step up without Mike Conley. And that's stretching their wings. What's interesting about this is it's stretching their wings beyond where they naturally go. Right, we these are guys now having to play point guard that probably aren't natural point guards, um, and that's really stretching their wings. Jordan's doing it masterfully this year, but you know how do other guys do it and handle it? I think that's um, it's a lot. It's a lot for Taylor Horton Tucker. It's a lot for Nikhil Alexander Walker. It's a lot for Colin Sexton. It's hard, and 
you know, Walker Kessler right now, we're trying to let him stretch his wings, but it's hard being a rookie center in the NBA. is really, really, really hard. Um, and so keeping an eye on those things, but I thought it was a really interesting conversation um, with Norman Powell about kind of where thing, you know, what it's like to be a player on one of these t- teams that's loaded. And it might be why some of the super team stuff has not worked as well. It's because, you know, players don't love it, frankly. All right, let's look at some trends in the NBA. I always like to look at um, last two weeks on cleaning the glass as well as the last 10 games on NBA overall stats. Cleaning the glass takes out the uh, clean glass takes out the point of uh, the blowout time. So the number one team in the NBA for the last 10 games is the uh, Sacramento Kings. They're 7-0. Their differential is 11.7, and their offense is number one in the NBA. Boston's number two at 10.9. New Orleans is number three. Like, if you're actually listening to the show, you might know these things coming. Clippers are the fourth best team in the NBA uh, in the last two weeks with a number one defense in the NBA by a large margin and a plus 8.2. That means that makes that performance, even without PG, um, pretty impressive without Mike Conley. Indiana is the fifth best team in the NBA over the last two weeks. Crazy. Plus 8.1. Um, Washington is a plus. Really, then there's a huge drop-off. So those five teams... Goes from point plus eight point one in Indiana, Washington plus four point four. This passes my eye test. I thought both Sac- Sacramento watching late games and them figured it out, and I thought Washington looked really good when we played them. Um, and then Indiana passes the eye test of kind of talking about how teams have gotten the margins far less. San Antonio, Detroit, Houston, Charlotte are really struggling, as are the Knicks and Chicago. Surprisingly, we're right in the middle of the pack. We're the eighteenth team in point differential. Over the last two weeks, we're three and four with a minus two. Our defense, though, is 28th in the NBA. The f- five best offenses in the NBA, or six best offenses in the NBA the last two weeks, are Sacramento, Boston, Phoenix, Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City, crazy. New Orleans and Utah. So we're the sixth best offense in the NBA over the last two weeks, according to Clean the Glass. Sacramento's a surprise, the level they're playing, and they're way better than everyone else. Boston, Phoenix, <coughs> Oklahoma City, New Orleans, and Utah. Kevin Herter's been really good, by the way. The teams that can't score right now are uh, Orlando, Memphis, Orlando, Philadelphia, Charlotte, Atlanta, interestingly, San Antonio, and Houston. Teams that are defending right now are the Clippers, Philadelphia, Indiana, the third best defensive team in the league in the last two weeks, Washington, and Dallas. Dallas is really just a good defensive team. They're the fourth best defensive team in the league. Um, teams that are not defending right now are Oklahoma City, Denver, Utah, Detroit, and San Antonio. That's all. According to cleaning the glass, that's the last two weeks. If we-